Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for Pastor Richie. Thank you for uh, blessing us with his presence and with his life as a gift that we appreciate and we respect, oh God. He's left a, a legacy of honor to your name, uh, passion to the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray, Father God, that the best is yet to come, that you allow the flourishing of a harvest, Lord, of everything he has sown in the gospel of Jesus Christ in the lives of hundreds of thousands of people, a life who has marked the century, Lord. It was a highlight uh, for the world to see a man who humbled himself and get, surrendered to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, Lord. Now he serves as a patriarch, as a, a, a father of the faith, Lord. And we bless him, and we ask you to give him the desires of his heart, Lord. Allow all the things in his life to flourish. Thank you for his wife, Angie. Thank you, God, for the Maldonado legacy, Father God, the riches of your grace and glory through a faithful man who has wisely stewarded and walked in humility, Father God, and obedience to your word. Bless your word this morning, O God. Bless our time in your word. Allow us to see what you want us to see and hear what you want us to hear and to Thrive for those things that uh, manifest excellence of character and of devotion and of passion in you, Father God. Thank you for the church. Thank you for a gathering of those people who love you and serve you and desire your will, Father God. Thank you for the word of God, which is a lamp unto our feet, a good seed planted in good heart that would give forth good fruit. We pray, Father God, that you be glorified and that we be strengthened and we might be faithful, Lord. You've called us to be faithful. Allow us to give our highest to his uh, most holy God in the heavens, O oh God. Allow our worship to be pleasurable and attractive to you. We give you thanks for your healing, your forgiveness, and your restoration in our hearts and in our lives. Pour out your blessing now, Lord, in Jesus' name. We're ready, and we welcome your word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Um, the expressions of what are listed in the Bible by, in regards to priority is huge. If you weren't here on Wednesday night, make sure that you make it an intentional, deliberate effort to listen to that word and, and possibly several times. Uh, we talked about Wednesday, one of the most noble and highest message that a preacher could bring to God's people, and it's the issue of worship. And, and worship is that which God is seeking. And I, I'm not going to get into it, but on Wednesday night was one of those um, one day is like a thousand year messages where, where if you're not getting it, then you're, you're depriving and you're being deficient and you're nourishing. So get Wednesday's message and, and take it into your spirit. It was a, a phenomenal night here at Spring of Life Fellowship. But, but today we're going to talk something that corresponds to those that are unable to worship, and it's those that are on the run. And so we have put, you know, we put, we've listed the name of this message, Run Away No More. Um, it seems to be that at the beginning of, of the Bible, we have in the book of Genesis a young man by the name of Cain who says, I'll be a fugitive, and I'll be persecuted, and I'll be running all the days of my life. And, and we were not created to run, and especially run away. If anything, run back to God. And, and, and get restored in our relationship. And so this thing about running away is the, is the character attribute of a fugitive. A fugitive is one who's running away 
from his rightful place uh, where he belongs. A fugitive uh, is a curse uh, to any people. Um, we have that in the book of Genesis in the life of Cain, who is a fugitive. And he says, I'll, I'll have to run and wander all the days of my life. And, and you can't even perceive that people would have the energy to be a fugitive all their lives, running away from facing reality, running away from family, running away from God, which is at its worst end. But right before the book of Revelations, we have a book by the name of Philemon. And in that book also, the entire book, right before the last book of the Bible, talks about a fugitive um, that's on the run. And here in that tiny book, uh, Philemon um, is, is the, the course of a runaway slave. And so I'm like thinking, Lord, why would you place the book of Philemon uh, there in the Bible? Why would this small, uh, it's, it's 21 verses. Uh, you, would all, you would obviously miss it if you're, if you're not careful. Um, to pursue uh, the content in this small 21 verses. And so here it is right before the book of Hebrews, the book of Philemon. And um, it highlights an encounter that Paul would have with a runaway slave. Uh, the name of the runaway slave is uh, Onesimus. Onesimus is a name which means useful, uh, fruitful. A lot of the slaves in the old days were named after this. Um, it's almost like the, 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 the stud in a litter. Uh, a useful slave um, does a lot to bring profit to its master. But at this point in time, we see that this man has become a fugitive. And, and this small little book there, um, my, my Bible says it's 25 verses in, in the New Testament, um, and it talks about a fugitive man, a runaway slave. Now, uh, if a runaway slave is a problem for a master, how many of you would think that a runaway husband, right, uh, a, a man who's uh, running away from his wife, or, or worse yet, how many would like to have a fugitive wife that she just picks up and takes off? Always recall a two-year-old that ran into my office, and I, I couldn't believe what, what he was telling me. Uh, at the age of two, a little boy runs into my pastoral office here at the church, and he says, Pastor, mom left. My mom left. And, and when you have a two-year-old that has the maturity, because you, you won't even think that that is something, he went directly into like the head office. It's like going to the White House to talk to the president. And he has, he has his complaint here. And he says, Mom left. And I, I, if, if, I didn't, if I didn't fill myself with the courage of God, I would have just started, I would have started bawling and I'd break down and start crying with that two-year-old. Because I'm, I, at the time, I might, I'm 52, but that was about 10 years ago, 12 years ago. And I said, I'm a pastor. I can't start crying in front of the kids. You imagine that the kid comes in, and he, he has his rightful complaint. Mom left. And for me just to say, just bawl and cry and have no answer. 
And, and, and I told him, I said, you know something? His name is Jeremy. I said, Jeremy, when mom leaves, God shows up. Amen. When my mother and father abandon me, God will take me up. So very few people have the expression of having somebody so important just run out of their life, and especially a mom. And so I told him that God has a special plan for you. Amen. You just sit back and watch what God's going to do. So this is, this is our hope. When we have a fugitive husband, fugitive son, fugitive wife, fugitive family or friend, and, and this is so important. I was sitting with a man in an airplane, and he was trying to reach to him. And I said, I, I need to be brief because I don't have a lot of time with this guy. He's a corporate executive. We're flying out of Chile. And I turned to him. I said, have you ever read the Bible? And he says, not very much. I said, you know, there's a, there's a little book in the Bible called Philemon. It's 25 pages, and, and I'll tell you, it's, it's real short. You've got to be hurry up with these guys. They don't have much time to give you, but I said, see, see all the Bible that we say we read and all that Bible we know, but you haven't read these 25 verses lodged in the New Testament, the book of Philemon that talks about a slave owner and his runaway slave. And so I started reading to him, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother to Philemon, listen to what he says, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer, to the beloved Aphia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church that gathers in your house. In those days, the churches were in living rooms. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4, I thank God making mention of you always in my prayers. This, this statement right here, I thank God. Paul is saying, I, I stand before God and I talk about you to God in my prayers. But this, this verse reminds me of R.T. Kendall. Because he writes me about a month ago. He says, hey, I want you to know that every morning I pray for you. Amen. I think that is so awesome. That a man of God would come before God, making mention of us in his prayers. And I pray for a lot of you guys. You guys might not know that. But I think that's so special. Paul is talking about Philemon. I go to God with your name on my lips, hearing that you, the, of your love and of your faith, which you have towards the Lord Jesus and towards all the saints. That the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. He's setting them up so hard. He's going, you're a champion, my friend. And now I need you to forgive your runaway slave if you're a real Christian. Because in those days, a runaway slave deserved death. The penalty under the Roman law and under the Mosaic law was a runaway thief, a runaway slave. His penalty was death execution and in the face of what the law said grace said forgive him receive him restore him whatever he owes you and it's really powerful we'll keep on reading he goes listen I hear of your faith and that you've become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus verse 7 for we have great joy and were comforted in your love because the hearts of the believers have been refreshed by you, brother. You are an encouragement to the body of Christ. How many people know that there's discouragements? Yeah. 
to the body of Christ. There's people like, oh, my God, we have to keep on towing with this guy. He never is at the right place at the right time doing what God wants. But a person who's doing the right thing at the right time and, and doesn't miss a beat, he's like, you know, I, I love men who have uh, palpitations, right? When your heart spatters and, and spins and you're like, oh, wait. You like that. I love when I, I put my hand on my heart and it's beating well and there's no pain and everything's smooth. But when the heart is like... I had a season about 10 years ago, panic attacks and all this weird stuff were attacking me. And I told Yvette at night, I said, put your head on my chest and listen to this craziness. And my heart was doing things a heart's not supposed to do. And it just steals your peace. But when your heart is doing good, it's like a member of the body of Christ is doing what he should, when he should, how he should. He's not missing. And, and, and a lot of you guys are a great source of palpitations. <laughs> Irregular heartbeats erratic craziness and you're like is it gonna beat again or was that i had a brother who left the church for 12 months and he says pastor i'm coming back this year i'm like thank god thank god you're coming back man because we need you we can't have you missing and showing up sometimes and not showing up it's like that's erratic heartbeat but he was a, a man who refreshed the local assembly he was a man of influence He's a man that's faithful. He's bringing the church into his house. He's doing and living the thing. And then he says in verse 8, uh, Paul says, Therefore, though I might be very bold and demand you and command you, I could do things to force you to do what God wants. But I trust, verse 9, but I trust, yet for love's sake, I'd rather appeal to you. I don't want to obligate you. I want to suggest such a one as Paul, now that I'm old, and now I'm even paying a price of being a prisoner. And Paul is setting up all the right words to really stab this guy in the heart. And he's going to ask him for something huge. Verse 10, he says, I'm, uh, I appeal to you for one son, one of my son, Onesimus. You imagine when this, this slave master hears about somebody that owes him a debt. They say that Onesimus might have stolen from Philemon. So as soon as that Paul brings this, this thing, he, he's like, the guy that offended you, the guy that stole from you, the guy you're upset at, the guy you want to kill, you want to bring vengeance. Imagine all the things that a master wants to do to a slave who has been disloyal and treacherous and tricky and deceitful and devious and disrespectful and dishonorable. What are all the feelings that are coming up in Philemon's heart when Paul makes mention of everything is going good and then he mentions the mother-in-law? What, what's going on here? We're having a honeymoon, we're having a romance, and now you're, my mom's going to come and live with us. You're like, ah! So he mentions the stench, the, the thing that people don't want to address. And he says, this man was born again. He, he came to life in God here in my cell as I'm a prisoner. So look how the life turns. This fugitive falls in the jail cell next to Paul. That's like riding with me on an airplane for two hours. Man, you're in trouble. You're either born again or you're born again. There's no choice. And so he's in the cell and he's with a slave. And, 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 and the same thing with the slave. What is the slave thinking? You have the, the, the polar opposite. Uh, here you have on, uh, Philemon, a slave owner that wants to... Bring down vengeance. What are the feelings of Philemon? I mean, Onesimus. 
when Paul is saying, hey, mister, you need to go back. How many want to have that conversation? You need to go back. Nobody wants that. In fact, you want the guy that's high-fiving you. You got away. Woo! You're, you're run, Run. Run, Forrest. Run. Get out of there. You, this man, was, was, he has enslaved you. He's mistreating you. He's burdening you. He's making you suffer. What do you think when you think about being a slave? What are all the, the emotional? So you have both of the opposite ends. Philemon, a slave owner. Onesimus, a slave. And he says, in my cell, in prison, here. This guy, God puts him next to me. Verse 11. And he says, uh, who was once unprofitable, because his name uh, Onesimus means profitable. So Paul is even, that guy that you called dependable, that slave, ran away. But now I'm sending him back. He was undependable. But now he's profitable, not only to you, but to me. That's the transformation of the gospel. There's something that happens. I call it the great equalizer, the one that puts everything back how it's supposed to be. Listen, my friend, um, there's a lot of people in this world, including that man I was talking to on the airplane, that when I finished sharing with him, he he said the question. This was great. He goes, what's that have to do with anything? I go, ah, 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 you, my friend, are running from the master. You, my friend, are running from the master. And he's like, holy mackerel. Checkmate. God knows what the polar opposites are. And God knows how to reconcile. And his grace is sufficient. And he knows a way where there is no way. And so this is the message here in Philemon. Verse 12. How does God reconcile a fugitive, fugitive wife? I'm sending them back to you. My friends, for everyone who runs away, there needs to be a Paul that tells them, listen, don't run like the devil wants you to run. I feel the devil puts all the right sentiments in every human being to run away from the loving arms of God. In suffering, in discipline, in hardship, people say, I'm never going back there. Guess what, my friend? Go back. Get in that pressure cooker of God's dealing with your life because it's only a preparation for what's to come. And those slaves that would stay would inherit the entire estate of their master. And here this man is running from God's provision for his life. He's running. He doesn't understand. So when Paul sits there and says, you need to go back, you therefore, Philemon, master, slave owner, receive him. Because in doing so, you're receiving my own heart. So there's a whole issue. Does he kill him? Does he execute him? Does he not receive him? He says, listen to me. Let's let's just leave things as they are. Let, Let him stay with you. Verse 13, Paul is sending them back, whom I wish to keep with me. I wish I could keep him here, but that's not God's design. That's not God's order. That on your behalf, that he might minister, that he might serve me. He's become an excellent servant now. He knows how to be a slave. He knows how to stay under the pressure of the burden 
of his master's responsibility, being steward over the master's house, to me and my chains for the gospel's sake. Verse 14. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing, that your good deed might not be by compulsion, as it were, but that you do so voluntarily. My friend, I don't know about people that have to go back to where they need to be to become who God has appointed them to become, that they stop being fugitives. Um, There was two Psalms, Psalm 34 and Psalm 56, are written by David when he was a fugitive. And Joseph was far from his father's house. All these men that were running and had to return, and, 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 and Joseph says, it wasn't you guys that were dealing with me inappropriately. It was God who was forging me for what was to come. If we don't get this, my people, we spend our lives without identity and purpose. Verse 15. Don't do it because I'm obligating. For perhaps this is why he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. You can't be a fugitive forever. You have to go back. You have to sit there and say, listen, I need to fulfill the purpose of God in my life. I need to be connected to my kingdom purpose. Verse 16, no longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Verse 17, if then you count me as a serious partner in the kingdom, receive him as you would me. Again, the polar opposites, Philemon, a master, has to deal with the shame, has to deal with the fact, I call myself a Christian, why don't I walk in humility? Why is there no forgiveness, reconciliation? Why is there no reality of the kingdom in my heart? And then Onesimus also return to that yoke. That Christ says is easy and the burden which is light to perfect his character. Verse 18. But if he has wronged you and if he's taken anything from you, put him on my account. I'll pay for it. I think we have to do that many times. We have to come and satisfy the debt of those around us so there's reconciliation. Don't worry about anything wrong. You owe me nothing. The The debt is paid. It is satisfied. That's what Christ did on the cross. That's what we should do in our lives to those people that owe us anything. This is like, you owe me, buddy. Okay, put that on that account right there because you owe that a lot. And if he forgave you, you go and forgive the trespasses of those who owe you a debt. Those places that you sit as a master, that you decide, I hold the debt, I don't hold the debt, I forgive, I don't forgive. This is what's going on in this letter. Verse 19 What a powerful letter. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. That means I'm signing for you, my friend. I will repay, not to mention you owe me your own life. Paul is reminding them, hey, buddy, you remember you owe me? You owe me there's a debt that that I'm still holding that you haven't satisfied. So just like in your self-righteousness that you think, and this is where I think, all these people that are always bringing up all the issues, do you see what Trump did? Trump did. I said, tell me what you did, bozo. You're quick to confess the sins of others. Let's talk about you a little bit. Let's talk about your debt. And how you miss and mess up. Verse 20, it goes on to say, yes, brother, let me 
have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. The, the, the joy and the refreshing comes from reality. What are we talking about? All this stuff about, uh, I'm a Christian. I go to church. I read the Bible. And you don't forgive not even the littlest bit of things that are owed in your life. and that are See, there's no reality in falsehood. There's no reality in, in pretense and posing fake news. Fake Christians, refresh us in the Lord by seeing that you have, you're not flying high and mighty. You got your feet on the ground and you're doing what Christ is asking you to do. Verse 21, have confidence in your obedience. I, I, I'm, I'm confident you're able to walk in this. I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. Why? Because the grace of God is sufficient to do exceedingly, abundantly, above everything that confronts us. We don't have questions to problems we have answers there's people that have a problem uh, what's it called a a problem for every scenario no we have answers we have resolution we bring things to a peaceful end verse 22 and we finish with this but meanwhile also prepare a guest room for me for I trust that through your prayers I shall be granted to you I love Colossians chapter 4 verse 7 because it is another letter Talking about this letter, and it's they're coming back with this letter to Philemon, and he says, Tychius, a beloved brother, faithful minister, and a fellow servant in the Lord will tell you all about the, the news about me. Paul is in prison writing to Philemon, but he's going to write Colossians a letter too, verse 8, and he says, I'm sending him to you, Tychius, for this very purpose that he may know your circumstances and comfort your hearts. Verse 9, he says, and with Onesimus. What's Onesimus? He's the slave. He's coming back home. They live in Colossal. They live where Philemon lives. And he's coming back with Tychius, who has the letter with Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you. They will make known to you all things which are happening. So they were always talking about how the gospel continued to reach people. So today the question is, are you a fugitive or are you a master slave owner? Are you holding somebody by the throat, demanding he pay his debt to you? My concern as a pastor is that we have so many fugitives that have run away from serving this house. That I have to ask the Lord, Lord, bring them back into their purpose. They think that their running is good, it's justified, it's sufficient. But the truth of the matter is they're missing out with the purpose of God in their lives. Father, I pray that every man, woman, child will return to his rightful place in the kingdom. And that they might be known as faithful and not treacherous, as loyal and not disrespectful. Allow your healing to take place on both sides of these polar opposite stances, Lord, to reconcile the hearts of the fathers with the sons and the sons with the fathers for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray. And the house of God says, amen, amen, amen. Greet each other in the love of the Lord. God bless you.